What is up and welcome back to the podcast. If you're an entrepreneur and you're no longer starving, even if you are starving, I want you to listen to this episode, particularly if you are starving, because you this is probably one of the things that will help you break out of that mind state. But if you're no longer starving, if you've exited fight or flight or flight and you're an entrepreneur, you've been around the block and maybe you've made a little bit of money for yourself. Um, this is now the podcast for you. If you're an avid listener of this podcast, you've noticed with season three, the title of this podcast has changed. It's changed from surviving to cancel to obviously a different title. You can read the title uh, above if you're actually listening to the podcast right now. But um, I want to say, you know, while the, the, the title of this podcast has changed, the meaning of it really hasn't changed all too much. It's become a bit sharper. And so the title has been changed to reflect that because what I want to do in this podcast episode, I want to speak to entrepreneurs who are going through a very specific time in life, a very specific transition um, that they might not really like they feel the effects of it, but they might not really know how to pinpoint or define. Um, and I think how we navigate this transition into the next stage of our lives and business determines a lot about how these things begin to grow and flourish um, and how the end result, uh, how pleased we are with the end result, uh, you know, the end result of our toils. And so, yeah, I kind of want to talk about all of that in this podcast. So, um, to, to begin to explain a little bit of what I mean, um, <clears throat> as an entrepreneur, man, I've been in fight, flight or flight, survive of the fittest for as long as I can remember since the very start of the entrepreneurial journey, which if you've been listening to this podcast, just a brief uh, surmising of my timeline, summarization of the timeline is 2016, um, I really wanted to be an entrepreneur, like I really was in it. So I got kicked out of college with a zero GPA and on December 1st, 2016, I left my job and I just started going through business after business after business after business. Friends and family and everybody around me kind of got upset about it. Um, And so September of 2017, after a summer of toiling and tr- trying and failing mostly to create businesses, I went back to working. Um, that continued along that way with me dissatisfied and working the night shift at the local Target up until September of twenty, no August of twenty uh, of twenty nineteen. Um, at the beginning of twenty nineteen, I had began to you know ghostwrite a little bit. And I started to make you know my first little bits of money on the internet um, in my own quote unquote business. I was a freelancer and I was using mostly freelancing, freelance writing sites. I mean, freelance, freelancing sites, but I became a ghostwriter for entrepreneurs and started making a little bit of money. Um, and so with, you know, you know, a little bit of money I was making, I began to get, go grow a little bit more hope. Right. But similarly with the amount of time that passed at the job that I was working, I had been, began to grow more discontent, uh, discontentment. Um, so in August of 26, you know, uh, 2019, all of this had come to a head, um, you know, beyond the fact that I was not working previous stages of my life and had moved back into work. My parents were also dissatisfied that I had dropped out of college, obviously. And so one of the greatest themes of 2019 was, okay, we want you to go back to college. And they were very adamant about that point to the point where in the middle of 2019, they said to me, um, hey, you either go back to college or you start to pay rent here. Now, this is a bit of a, a, a tricky situation to explain. But in August of 2019, on August 26th at 2 a.m. at night at 5th and V in the city of D.C., 
me and my girlfriend, she was on a set of a movie she was uh, filming. Um, we had got uh, held up at armed robbery. The robber put a gun to us and, you know, all, obviously in those situations, it's super intense. Your life flashes between your eyes and you think for a second, I might not make it out of this night. And I remember all cataloging all the things after the fact that went through my head in the moment of the robbery. You know, besides the fact that we might die here tonight, one of us might not leave this scene. Um, of all the things that I had cataloged that night, you know, that I thought about in the, the, the brief seconds that felt like hours uh, at the end of a gun, um, one of the most scant things, one of the most rarely thought about, you know, uh, ideas, if thought about at all, was the idea of going back to work, having a job. And so that night, you know, one of the most like, like pressing principles was the brevity of life. And so noticing that life was brief and what did I do, what I was doing with my job wasn't important. And I, I wouldn't even remember that if I died today and that, you know, the things that I was doing with my business, on the other hand, like I believed in them more than anything. I felt like it changed the world and changed humanity um, and changed our lives. You know, uh, I decided to quit my job. I didn't tell my parents about that because I thought they'd have some leniency on me about the armed robbery situation. Um, I'm just, this is just like a kind of a little background for those that don't know. Um, I'm going to make this as brief as possible. Um, and so on September 5th, 2019, I actually walked away from my job. And then a week later, my parents still asked for rent and I could either go back to my job, you know, because I actually put in a month's leave, you know, leave of absence. So it would actually expire on October 5th. I could go back to my job in October. Uh, but I wouldn't have time to actually work on the things that I would remember in the moment of my death. I can actually go back to school because it was still August. I could apply for school in the fall semester or maybe even the spring to winter or spring semester and they'd be satisfied with that. You know, um, notice I'm quitting my job, so I don't have money for rent. Um, I'm going feet first into the things that I believe in. I can go back to college, but then we run into the same scenario. I'm spending time on things that I don't believe in and too little time on my dreams and the things that are, you know, uh, closest to my heart and the third scenario was i can wing it i can i can i can throw caution to the wind and i can go out walk out of my home with it and, and and figure it all out um and obviously i chose the third option when you're faced with death everything in life seems so you know every every other thing seems trivial until you forget what death feels like again and then you kind of go about life how you did in the same suppressed way um but to make a long story short, from there, I was living with my girlfriend. I was ghostwriting the whole time, just trying to survive, just trying to make money. Um, and the entire time, you know, I, we, you know, this entire first year of ghostwriting, I had no idea why it is that entrepreneurs would want books written for them in their business. I had no idea. People were just coming to me and writing, um, you know, and asking them to have their books written. And they would pay sometimes large amounts of money for that. Um and that's like most ventures that we start throughout life. You know, we start a lot of things without real recognition of why it is a purposeful act, why it is an important act that is necessary to happen in this world. Um, and so that entire year, I was like that, 2019 all the way to the end of 2020. But uh, from from getting kicked out of my house to, to make a story, you know, to, to wrap the story up, I began moving with my girlfriend who also wanted more for her life. And so she wanted to move to LA to become an actor. And so we both moved to LA because it would be the better move for us because I didn't want to live with my girlfriend and her mother, like, like a little kid, like I was 22 years old, 23, 22, something like that. Um, 
And so we both moved to Los Angeles and it was in Los Angeles I discovered, and this is critical to the story. I want you to listen to this and really take in what I'm about to say. I discovered the reason people were actually having books written for the Rumi the Ghostwriter and the importance of it, not only to them, but to the world. And the way I realized it is this. Um, I remember it was, uh, it was actually November 14th of 2019 when I got my first big sale as a ghostwriter. Um, it was $2,000 for 30, for 30 words. And when you get your first big sale, it's everything to you because it's everything that you ever dreamed of. I spent a lot of my life up until that point, you know, um, starting in 2016 because prior to 2016 it was a very different story but starting in 2016 when I became a real adult you know it was the year I became I, I became 19 that year um and, and finances became important like uh I, I just wanted to live you know I wanted freedom I wanted vacations I wanted to spend time with my girlfriend without having to check into a job without needing to ask my parents or ask her you know her ask her parents or you know I wanted and to experience and enjoy life and be free and create um a business you know that 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 pay for all these things you know that's that's really all i wanted and uh so the next four or five years obviously was spent in toil just trying to get those things but um and so you you you, uh after your first sale my first sale was like in 2017 it was like 14 it was like 9.99 or 14.99 or something like that from a business called the b buddy system which ultimately failed but you're on the hunt for that what I think Steven Larson calls it uh shut up money or something like that like you get you, you know like you get enough money to the point like you, you validate the idea and you can tell your family like shut up here's the money like you see it in your face like um something like that he did he didn't put it as harsh as I just put it but you you're on the hunt for that first big big check and that big breakthrough and you think it'll feel like everything in the world um but when I got that first actual big payment um it changed my life forever. And, and that's why I say this podcast in this season is critical for people who are in a season where they've been around the block, they've made enough money and they're satiated. Um, and their brain is kind of, you know, uh, moving on to different things. Uh, but even for the people who are still in the race and still hungry, because right now I'm worth like $7 total. Like I'm not worth a lot of money. Like, let me check my bank account to just to verify to you what I have overall in my life. Let's see. This is no cap yeah uh, I cut off when I opened the bank app but I have seven dollars and 81 cents to my name so you know no no shade at anybody for for being a hungry entrepreneur I'm a hungry entrepreneur too um but you know there was a point in point in my life where like that was everything that big sale and I remember getting it and um I remember actually being in talks to get another big sale right after that and you know like they all say you know immediately the luster of these things you've pursued all your life against the dim and your brain you know search for other you know bits of happiness i think i read a study about this actually i was debating in uh 10th grade english i think it was it was it was miss marx's class um i enjoyed that class a lot you know miss marx was a lady that was hard on me she was hard on me but you know you know them teachers that's hard on you because they believe in you and you become cool um, it was that kind of situation, so I appreciated Miss Marks uh, a lot. And um, but I, I remember looking up this article. It was like by Robert Esther or something like that. And it says, you know, um, everything gives diminishing returns in this universe. You know, and money is the same way. Beyond seventy thousand, 
you know, the joy you derive from making more money and making more profit is kind of negligible. Um, that was that was you know the study you know had revealed that that's so that that was that was what the study had said, and so um, obviously I didn't have seven seventy thousand dollars, but um, when you make a big sale, immediately your brain just moves on to the next thing. Making big sales are no longer the coolest thing in the world. It doesn't really give you that tickle like it did the first time, um, like most things in this world. And so, um, you know, I remember just feeling the luster of it all wear off. I was in a uh, standard, th- you know, when I got to California, by the way, I had negative $300 in my bank account, but I had already hit the pinnacle. I had already seen the zenith. Um, and I was just, I was just, I was in all of my own ability, you know, and, and, and the greatness, which was, which was I, um, but we were staying at the Ramada hotel. Um, and this was after driving all the way across the country, man, California, the first time I got here felt like, uh, felt like Mars, all the, all the dust and dirt and mountains and trees and palms and things like that. It felt like a Martian coming from the clouds and setting his boots on the dirt. And he's like, what is this place? But we were staying at the Ramada hotel and I was, I was in awe of this place, the rolling mountains and hills. I'd never seen anything like it in my life. But, um, you know, uh, I was in talks with a guy named John, um, from the city of DC about writing his book when really I just, I kind of ghosted him because in the middle of the conversation, I kind of just lost interest in the idea and the concept of, you know, writing books for high pay at all. You know, it'd probably been a couple thousand dollars, but you know, uh, for some reason, like in the middle of the conversation, I just entered a little bit of depression, you know, in the, in the midst of the talks, which lasted, you know, a, f- a few weeks maybe. And I just kind of lost interest. Like, well, that money really doesn't mean anything to me anymore as I've already seen what it looks like. And I remember we were staying at the Ramada, like I said before, and uh, out in uh, Burbank, I think it was. And I remember just my girlfriend going up to the acting school that she was going to. And I remember walking down the street to the 7-Eleven. I got a Dorito. I got a, a Oreo, you know, like the mini cylinder, uh, like the single serve. And I gave $5 to a homeless guy. And I was just kind of floating by. And that wasn't even my money. That was money that my girlfriend grandmother had lent me that Christmas when we had returned to Maryland. Um, so I guess it was my money in essence. And so I remember leaving the 7-Eleven, making it right out of the door. It was a bright, beautiful afternoon, like morning almost. Like it was probably around 11 or something like that. Um, and the sun was bright and everything was beautiful. It was like a scene from Donnie Darko. And I remember walking out of the 7-Eleven, making a right and uh, onto a commercial road, but then making another right to head back to the hotel through uh, a residential neighborhood. And just just the quiet of the neighborhood just being around me. And I remember putting on these these beige tan uh, beats by Dre that I have. They are actually my girlfriend's beats. And if you look at what they're titled on the Bluetooth, it's Baddest Bish Solo Beats 3. Uh, And I was listening to Save Me by Boogie. And, um, suddenly a realization came over me, you know, I don't know if it was giving the homeless guy money or, you know, I think if I were to boil down to the essence of it, it was my situation. You know, the hotel, the Ramada that we were staying at was actually being paid for the entire time by my girlfriend because I didn't have any money. Now I was making money from the $2,000 book deal that I had, but it would come in in installments. Uh, 250, 250, 250, and so that would pay for like little miscellaneous things here, but big chunk orders. Uh, she would pay for them because she had stock options from the job that she had left, so she was paying for that hotel. Um, and prior to that, you know, when I had gotten kicked out of my home, 
you know, she had taken me in with her and my mother, and they would pay for they paid for me for having a whole new wardrobe, and they paid for me to eat every day, and you know, she would drive me around and, and fill gas in the tank because I didn't have an insured vehicle. I don't have a vehicle at all to this very day. Um, prior to me getting to California, it was a series of things that that challenged and questioned my pride. You know, it was a series of things that I felt was designed to humiliate me, and and and, and force humility in my life, and um. I was completely without defense. I was completely unable to to take care of myself in the ways that I wanted because these businesses were failed and failing and failing and failing and taunting me over and over and over again. Um, I had no success up to that point. And uh, I had been a disappointment, I feel, in my heart and a letdown to the people around me. And to this day, I continue to be in a large degree, but I'm, you know, I'm fighting to do better. But, um, I remember walking the street, I was thinking about all this, you know, and I, I was becoming to, in a sense, okay, maybe because I had finally broken through and gotten a sale of a magnitude that was respectable, but I began to feel okay with everything that was going on, like, well, this is, this is life, and um, that, that, that thread of thought took me to a place where I realized my entire life has been about pimping this opportunity, it's like the album to pimp butterflies, it's about pimping my business, pimping my skills, to make people love me you know what I'm saying it's been about not only to make people love me but pimping my skills to be better than others to be the one you know I wanted to be the one that did everything I wanted to be the one that made the business and marketed the business and I wanted to be viewed as the genius I wanted to be self-made I wanted to be like head and shoulders above the rest I wanted special treatment I wanted everybody to see like you know people who've dubbed me as narcissist and I wanted to see people to see me the way I saw myself as somebody that was great and I grinded and struggled for that um, I wanted to be better, not only than who I was yesterday, but I wanted to be better than the rest of the world. I wanted to be somebody, um, and I felt like that all my life, uh, but it was in that point and in that moment where I realized, like, enough is enough. You know, I looked over at all the, you know, the trials and tribulations and, and living conditions, which I had just described, and I realized to myself, like, even with this sale that you got, yeah, you got it off your own strength and on your own business acumen. But the truth of the matter is, you would have never even made it to this sale if not, like, for like you can call and claim that you're a genius, but you would have never actually gotten this sale in the first place if not for all the events that were corroborated to get you to this very moment. So when you were little, when you were a kid, and your parents bathed you, and they fed you all the way up until 22 years old, and they clothed you, and, 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 and they drove you to wrestling practice and they drove you to school and they made you you were old in the programs and made you you took your shots. Um, and when you got kicked out of that place and you went to her mother's house and she fed you and it was a Maryland winter came along. I did sleep on the ground one of those days. But most of the time you had a bed. Most of the time you had clothes and most of the time you had water and food and shelter. Um, if you hadn't had those things, the sale would have never been able to be facilitated. Because you would have been struggling to survive. You may not even be here if it wasn't for the collaboration of you. Even this hotel that you're staying in, this car that you're driving, this food that you're eating, you couldn't pay for any of it. And so your girlfriend did it for you. And so what does it really mean to be self-made? What does it really mean to be a genius? When behind the scenes you have entire teams and entire swaths of reality operating to ensure that these moments can come true in the first place. No one is really self-made. It's kind of what I realized. No one's really got it out of the mud themselves. There's, there's, there's no such thing as a movement that is long-lasting and strong 
and, and meaningful to the world that is governed by one sovereign individual who've done it all themselves. Even the greatest entrepreneur, most of the great entrepreneurs of all time had partners. Steve Jobs had a partner. You know, um, um, what's the guy's name? Uh, Paul Allen and uh, Sergey Brin, I think, uh, from Google. Partners. Um, I believe Bill Gates was partners with Steve Ballmer. I might be wrong on that one. I know he did have a partner, though. Anyhow, Mo, well, he, he, Steve Ballmer was an employee at Microsoft. One of the, I think, the 30th employee. But, but most startups, most CEOs, most geniuses operated with partners and that's how they made it possible and even before that people in their lives you know take had taken care of them to the point where they they could become great and so every moment is accumulation of efforts of multiple faces and multiple people with multiple names that most people will never know i was walking down the street and i listened to save me by boogie realizing all this in one singular moment and it kind of made me think to myself you're not as important or as genius or strong as you think you are. Like you are, but the people around you matter more. And it was the first time in my life like I had begun to wonder more so about myself because I had felt satiated again and more about other people. I feel like there's a seesaw and it goes back and forth in life. And the seesaw ranges between your default as a human being, preservation, survival, competition, win, 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 me, 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 ego. And on the other side of the seesaw, it's, you know, liberation for those ideas. On the other side, it's care for other people. It's not a competitive mindset. It's a collaborative mindset. On the other side of the seesaw, it's empathy for the world and care for other people. And we as human beings go through this ever long struggle to be satiated enough to where we can recognize the pains and solve the problems of other people. And so when I'm realizing when there's a diminishment in my mind, a dissipation of my own ego and importance, which is still lasts to this very day, obviously ego is a very big driver in all of us. Um, the recognition of the importance of other people in my journey and the importance of other people in general. Um, it's like that word sonder, realizing everyone else has individual lives and, and goals that they're striving for around you. Um, every, every stranger, every bug, every ant, every, every cat, every dog. Um, it kind of all came to fruition in that moment. I started to think from that thread of thought, from that. I started to see through those eyes of empathy, through those eyes of collaboration at that point in time. And it made me think very deeply about what the hell it is that I'm doing. Okay, I'm, 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 I made some money from this business, but money is no longer the cool thing. What I want from this business now, because I'm satiated, it's not about me, it's not about significance, it's not about competition, how much money you have. It's now about what can you do for other people. I started to think to myself, okay, what is, what, why, why am I doing this business? How am I helping other people? What is the purpose of this business? What does it do for other people? Um, and in that thread, it kind of got me wondering what it is that people actually buy from me for because therein lies the answer to that question, right? And so I began to research and talk and because I interview clients, um, it'd be probably about an hour interview and I would do probably 10 to 20 interviews to get you know all the information I need for their book. And in the interviews, I would ask them just generally about their story following the expert secret script. Um, and so while interviewing these people, I just kind of ask them sometimes, okay, so why is it like you have money, you have a business? Why, why do you have to write a book? And here is what it is that I discovered. 
a lot of entrepreneurs who are making money, they hit this similar point too. You know, when you're satiating yourself, it's like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, you start at the bottom rungs that it's all about self. It's all about ego. It's all about competition. It's all about you, such as safety needs. You don't have enough money to actually pay for shelter to be safe, pay for rent to make sure you're safe, you know, um, because then safety needs includes financial safety. But once you bypass that and you made enough money to be comfortable and be satiated, you're, you, you advance up the pyramid to other humans of uh, other other motivators of human behavior, um, such as love and belonging such as prestige and uh, such as self-mastery and also self-transcendence beyond mastery, which is the other side of the seesaw and totality that I'm talking about. The other side of that seesaw is self-transcendence, which means to go beyond oneself and to care and to, and to nurse other people, to empathize with the struggles and the life paths of other people. I believe with most entrepreneurs, as they become satiated with money, money becomes less cool and they start to go and wander and, and discover other things um, and other people and how they can help the world rather than how they can help themselves. Russell Brunson talks about this a lot. He's a ClickFunnels billion dollar corporation. He's the former CEO. Um, now the lead funnel builder, I guess. Not the lead funnel builder. Uh, I don't really know his position. He just does kind of what he wants. Um, worth probably hundreds of millions of dollars. And he calls this, he talks about this a lot. He says, all, all you know, people in general, but a lot of entrepreneurs, go from a phrase, you know, phase from uh, of growth, like, oh, it's, I got to make this business, I got to profit, I got to survive, I got to make my bills, I got to I gotta eat, I got to pay for this and that, and this, you know, and they go from a place of growth eventually to a place of um, contribution, and that is, that person is what this podcast is based around, they go from a place of growth to contribution, because what that entails for a lot of people is going from a transactional business where money is all that you get. You give somebody a product and you gain money um, to a transformational movement, which is still a business, but it's beyond a business. It's it's an idea that people can gel uh, around and follow and, and become diehard fans of. It's the difference between having customers and having fans, or as Patrick Flynn puts it, super fans. Um, people at some point in their journey they really develop a desire to help and, and, and want to change people and a lot of people came to me to build their transformational movement because they thought the way to do it was a book you know whereas a business is it's an entity that's responsible for peddling products at the highest level a business is a conduit for 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 pushing ideas out into society and people realize if they are to impact people uh, on a, a level deeper than what products can do they have to facilitate the process of pushing ideas out into society and the way only way to do that to ascend from a transactional business like a 7-eleven that just gives you a product and you go you feel no way you change your identity none to maybe a business like a click funnels you go to click funnels and you're not just using a tool on the internet you become a part of this mass a part of this movement you become a funnel hacker um, it changes your entire identity and therefore your course in life and you're impacted therefore. That's a transformational movement for a transactional business. A lot of business owners, I feel, they've, they come to write a book because once they're satiated with money and they want to help people, what they realize is that, okay, in order to build a transformational movement, um, because these are pieces of what defines a movement, this business needs a person to lead it. 
and he's a character and he's an attractive character that people can bond with and follow behind because people don't bond with buildings people don't bond with businesses people bond with people people follow people ideas are spread and perpetuated throughout society yes by businesses but really by people and so they realize if my business is to become what it is that I want it to become a movement that actually impacts people what I need to do is become a character and what I need to do as a character is facilitate the movement of narrative the things that I believe you know the the containers of my principles and beliefs as a person uh, the vehicle for disseminating them um, I need to 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 become the distributor of narratives into society um, it, it's what they find out, you know, because a business alone, you know, a business alone can't transmit beliefs and feelings. And, 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 and it's a good theory that they have because most narratives are transferred into society through books. You know, uh, after discovering that this is why people came to me to write books, I, I researched through my own life the ability of this. I asked friends and family, like, how did you become an entrepreneur? I even look at my own story. It was through the book, The Four Hour Work Week, and, and a few other books. Um, and influenced by Robert Cialdini, Cialdini, however you pronounce it, that I became an entrepreneur. I started to ask like my friend Yash from Motivepreneur on Instagram, how'd you become an entrepreneur? He said, oh, this book, for some people it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. For some people it was Richest Man in Babylon. For some people it was Thinking Grow Rich. But most people became entrepreneurs because a character, you know, hardly a real person because these people are, are ideas, they're characters. They're, they're, they're perfect in a sense. They're gurus as people call them. Um, because a character devised a set of narratives and pushed it out into the world. And that's how most people become entrepreneurs or rather anything. Um, and so a lot of people were coming to me to write books because they wanted to be entrepreneurs and speakers. And the same ways they were impacted and drawn into this new school of thought, this subsector of mainstream ideology, um, they wanted to do for other people. And it was in that that I realized the purpose of the real business that I was building if we can distribute more narratives into society and help build up more characters, then uh, you know the toxic um, the toxic narratives that people follow now that lead ultimately to their jail or their own demise can be rewritten and changed, and therefore the course of their lives can be rendered and changed. If we can produce more narratives, more positive narratives, and more characters that people can look up to, and more movements that they can follow then more people's lives will be changed infinitely. Maybe people will have the course of, you know, my course where, you know, in, in life where I, they'll read a book similarly and instead of doing whatever they would have been doing, they go on to become entrepreneurs as I have. This was the thought behind it all. Um, but ultimately, you know, you know, to, 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 to sum up what I, what I realized from that story is that, you know, in order to grow a transformational business, you need to become more than just, I mean, yeah, become a transformational movement. You have to become more than just the business itself. I remember reading one of my favorite books, Expert Secrets, about the three components of a movement. And uh, the three components are a future-based cause, you know, which is summed up in the narrative, obviously, or the manifesto that you'll write. I mean, and look at history. Books have done, changed people's, you know, courses throughout history. I mean, think about the Bible, one of the greatest influential things of all time, or any religious text for that reason. Think about books like uh, Mein Kampf, My Struggle by Hitler. It was the manifesto that really spurred off the Holocaust. Um, in all the books that I named, books have been a great influencer throughout time. Um, 
because books are best at demonstrating characters and the lore behind them. Um, and so a lot of these entrepreneurs, they wanted to have that similar effect on the world because they had gone from a different place. And the way that I realized this is because I had gone through a miniature version of their journey in my own right. Uh, I had become satiated with the money aspect of things. And I had returned back to the state that I was in prior to even wanting these things out of life. Um, Because I remember when I was very young, I would learn epiphany after epiphany after epiphany on the internet, following guys like Owen Cook and Elliot Hulse and the Hodge Twins. And they would teach me about different things in life. Antonio Satana, Alpha M, like um, way, way back a long time. I have so many epiphanies on epiphanies on epiphanies. And I would go to explain to the friends and the family around me. And they wouldn't understand what it is that I was trying to deliver to them. And that's really why I got into business and marketing. Because business and marketing, in my eyes, was the way in order to structure my ideas in a way that actually communicate and, and communicate them in a way that people actually understood them and their epiphany was delivered. Uh, business and marketing started for me as a desire to actually change people's narrative that they're running in their mind and therefore change their lives. And it was only in becoming an adult and getting caught up in all the Lamborghinis and all that that I wanted to be profitable. Um, it was only in becoming an adult because safety needs weren't in question before then. Surviving and paying rent and paying for my own food wasn't in question before then. That, 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 that you know, secondary layer of I want to survive even came to fruition. But after the money was actually received and, you know, I, I, I kind of moved up that pyramid of needs and began to discover like the true essence of what it is that I do. You know, I started to care more, and emphasize, empathize with people more. And this is the process that you may be going through. And this is the same process that the people that I was serving was going through. And, um, that's what I realized walking down the street there in Burbank, um, coming from the Seven Eleven, And I remember just kind of just stewing on it for a moment, like, you know, like, it, it, I don't know, it, it was such a, it was, it was, it was such a crazy thing for me, you know, and it was at that moment that I realized that, you know, if we want to influence society, if we want to change the world, the best thing that I can do is enable people to become characters, you know, because these are the people who influence society. It's characters, caricatures, you know, uh, it's people who've learned how to supercharge their own personalities or at least emphasize the best qualities that they exhibit. How do you supercharge your own personality, the best parts of you? The part that make people rage, that make people want to follow, the people that make people's blood just run crazy and rampant. You know, everybody has an inner Tony Robbins or inner, you know, everyone has inside of them a novel character. They have the qualities of a novel character. So how is it you supercharge the traits of that character? to make them the perfect character so when you place them in your media you place them in your content people have a desire to follow them how is it that you become the attractive character of your business so that you can go from a transactional business that's just making money to a movement that's actually changing people's lives and making a difference that's changing what the principles that they that they harbor think their, their thoughts and the beliefs that they have about themselves and therefore their behavior it's all in becoming a character 
you know, even if you're very new and you, you know, just from a monetary standpoint, you want more profit from your business, it's all in becoming a character. Think about the landscape of society. People who've mastered the formula of being a character, then not only do they profit the most, they influence the most. You know, think about if you're an MMA fan, guys like uh, Conor McGregor. He doesn't have the best record in MMA. John Jones has that. You know, he has the best, the most title defenses out of everybody. You know, some, or even, you know, George St. Pierre. Okay. These people have way better titles than McGregor. But when it comes to influence over the sport of MMA, it's the character. Who the fuck is this guy? That captivated people's attention. That won people's hearts. That popularized the sport of MMA. And ultimately made McGregor get paid more than any MMA fighter in history. Despite not being the best fighter. Despite not having the best records. It's all in the attractive character. It's all in the character he became. That's the power. You know, even if your business is a transactional business, uh, it changes people's lives and it furthers your mission. And like, let's say your business is something like, like a medicine and it's healing people's brains. Um, the only way to further your business past a certain point is to become the character. Is to step into that iconic, legendary movie moment figure with all the lore to back it up. It's to become that person. Think about, a, you know, uh, another business, boxing. There are a lot of people who are good at boxing and they're good at the business of boxing. But there's not a single boxer that got paid more this year, probably, than Logan Paul. And Logan Paul is not a boxer, according to him, I suppose. I mean, I guess he's a boxer, but, you know, uh, I don't, you know, you, you get what I'm saying about him. Um, he's the biggest spectacle in the sport. He gets paid most for the sport. He has probably the most influence in the sport because he got to fight one of the goats of the sport. Who else can? Who, ha, who else has that pull other than this character, this attractive character? Most businesses, most movements, the success of them hinge on finding the attractive character, the one that captivates the audience and puts a spell on them, it hypnotizes them, and makes the world do their bidding and so like even like even legendary massive businesses they they're, they're always synonymous with a person that delivers the ideas that make people bond with this business beyond a product think about a business like apple who do you think of when you hear the word apple there's a person it's steve jobs who do you who do you think of when you hear tesla it's Elon Musk, Amazon, Jeff Bezos, SpaceX, Blue Origin. Maybe if you want to get even more fancy, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd, but let, let's throw out a hard one. Who who made uh, the, who made Walmart? You know, Sam Walton. Now he's a less of a character, but uh, a lot of legendary, well-known businesses and brands. They're led by legendary and well-known people. And the only way for a lot of people to excel to the next level is to step into the character who they were meant to be. It's to supercharge their best and emphasize their best traits, their best qualities. Uh, make them caricature-like, legendary figures. Um, that's usually the key to win the loyalty the wallets 
and the adoration, the prestige from the masses and take everything to the next level. And I think for a lot of people, when, when, when they unlock this empathy for, for the world, this is where, when they're satiated with money and they want to do something for the world, this is where they must go. How can you be a speaker and speak to people and change people's hearts if no one knows you? You have to become the character. And that's why this podcast is titled Becoming the Character. And this is what this next third season is going to all be about. How is it that you emphasize your best qualities to win the following, the loyalty, the wallets, and the adoration of the masses who will follow you? A little redundant right there, then, but you kind of get what I'm saying. That's everything this last season is about. I mean, this next season is about. Um, what more do I have to say on that? You know, uh, I don't know if I have more to say on that. I'm kind of rifting off top at this point, but yeah, that is what it's all about. You know, the, the podcast was formally named Surviving the Cancel. Okay. Um, and cancel culture is the enemy of caricatures. It's the enemy of characters. Because the nature of characters, uh, you know, in order to be a character, you have to have distinguishing features. You know, um, you have to be polar. Like Donald Trump is a character, right? Kobe Covington is a character. Um, but when you have distinguished features uh, and you're unique and you're all right, you decide to step into your life and become an individual. People usually don't like that. Go to your parents right now if you're a young kid and say, I want to be an entrepreneur. I don't want to go to college. Deviate from the mainstream schools of thoughts and, and find your own school, your own individuality, your own way of being. See it as how it is the world will react. You know, I got kicked out of my house for it. You know, that was why the title of this podcast was Surviving the Cancel. Because when you become a character, the world desires to cancel you and, and shape you into the mode of familiarity, break you into the mode of familiarity, something that they can recognize and relate to. Not this character that's that's different and leading his own, that's trailblazing his own path, not the cavalier, not that person. They want to follow somebody. I mean, they, they want somebody. They want to force everybody to be somebody they know. So you might be a Conor McGregor or Floyd Mayweather. People are preying on your downfall. That's why the podcast was called Surviving the Cancel. But I realized when I went back home to Maryland that surviving the cancel is just one part of becoming the character. It's the threat the character goes against, but it's still only one part of his story. What I want to do with this podcast is focus on the tactics and strategies of how you become the character uh, and also how you survive the cancel. But I wanted to highlight that it's not just about surviving the cancel and, and, and like that's, that's just a, the, an obstacle that the person faces as they become the character. But it says nothing about the tactics and strategies necessary to actually become the character. How is it that you exercise and fall into familiarity with your voice? How is it that you command a crowd? How is it that you grow an audience? How is it that you grow a following? How is it that you demand that people hear from you and push ideas out in society and make sure that these changes stay? That's what it's all about. And how do you do all that in a world that wants to tear it all down? That was surviving the cancel. But this podcast, Becoming the Character, encompasses all of it from top to bottom. How is it that you again become the character you know um and so yeah that's what this podcast is all about that's what season three is going to be all about you know uh, me documenting the process of how it is that i can become the character in my own life and this applies to many different you know facets of life you know uh, a lot of people 
you know, they want to be that guy, you know, uh, the, you know, they, they, they want to be the guy in the club that boom, you know, it hits, hits the guy. Uh, I'm being so sloppy with this. They want to be the guy in the club that when a woman's in distress, they just step into the plate, knock out her, you know, distresser and, you know, saves the day. They want to be the hero, right? They want to be a hero of their story, the hero of their relationship. But instead they wake up every day and they feel weak. They feel timid. They feel afraid. They feel flubby because their body isn't in shape. How is it that you become the character that leads your marriage, that leads your relationship with confidence and strength? And if something pops off, you can handle it. How is it you become the character that your friends and family requires of you to be? How is it that you become that character? So not only is it about how entrepreneurs can become the character, but in a subsidiary fashion, it's going to talk about all of it. How is it that you become the CEO, the greatest CEO that you could have been in your life? to all of your life because in a relationship you're the CEO in a family you're the CEO and I've been a horrible CEO and so this is me documenting the process of becoming a great CEO at all of the above you know uh, I think uh, Donald Miller has this thing that he says uh, he says there are four characters in every story you know there's the villain there's the victim there's the, the hero and then there's the guide okay a lot of people have a victim mentality so they're victims in their own life. And those are there's general society, people who everything in life happens to them. Okay? The victim needs a villain, obviously. And so the villain is, you know, billionaires or, you know, cancel the billionaires, cancel this, that, that, that. the billionaires. I mean the victim is the villain is somebody, okay? Um, and you'll be the villain in someone's story too. But then there's the hero. And for a lot of our lives we strive to be the hero, right? But when the hero saves the day, and he ends his own story. He's satiated with the business, but he's satiated with the money he has. What is there left for him to do? Most stories, man, the hero goes on to become the guide and raises a new crop of heroes. Right? And so this is again for people who are satiated in life. How do you how do you further develop into the character? How do you further develop into the hero? But also how do you further develop into the guide in your life? Which, I suppose you wouldn't be the guide at all. How do you further develop into the hero of your own life? Okay, this is the podcast. This is the guide teaching you how it is that you become the character that people need to save the day. And with that being said, I have nothing else to say in this podcast episode because I'm beating a dead horse. But I appreciate you so much for listening. My name is Dallas. Welcome to the Becoming the Character podcast. I always want to say Becoming the Cancel, but welcome to the Becoming the Character podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Tomorrow we got a super, super cool episode with a guy named Rick Mulready. You probably already know him if you're listening to this podcast. Um, to make a long story short, man, Rick Mulready, um, he, he, you know, he's um, came from the corporate world, making hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, in corporate spaces in the early internet era, such as AOL, Yahoo. Um, he worked as a, a scouting agent for... The Washington Capitals, and he eventually in 2000, I believe the, the year was 2011 uh, or 12, he actually jumped out of the cor- corporate world and, and began to create his own seven-figure business. Um, I'm stuttering a little bit because I'm, 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 I'm looking up some a little bit about him. In his first year of business, he did um, $110,000. Um, first, he did, uh, a, in 45 days, he did a launch of $30,000. $30, in his first year of business, he did $110,000. Um, 
By year two, he did $400,040. Um, in year three, he did $800,000. And by year four, he had crossed the million dollar mark. Um, also has one of the biggest podcasts online, The Art of Online Business, um, formerly The Art of Paid Traffic. Uh, that's just a little bit about him. Um, yeah, he left the corporate world September 30th, 2012. and was a scouting court coordinator for the Washington Capitol. So uh, that's just a little bit about tomorrow's guest. Um, it was an excellent interview. I, I loved it, man. I enjoyed it so much. And I appreciate, if you listen to this, I appreciate you, Rick, for actually coming on the podcast and giving us the interview that you gave us, man. It was phenomenal. Um, but without further ado, I'm going to end this podcast. So look out for the episode with Rick Mulready tomorrow, man. It's going to, it's going to blow your mind. It's going to be amazing. Um, if you enjoy this podcast, like, can you like podcasts? Well, rate this podcast and review this podcast primarily. But also, I want you to subscribe and keep up with this podcast to listen to what's going on. Uh, we have, we're going to do a live. Yeah, I'm probably going to go live sometime soon. I'm going to go live sometime soon and kind of break down the tactics and strategies that I do know already uh, about becoming the character. And uh, it's going to be a pretty, pretty in-depth live training. So, yeah, you know, look out for that soon. It should be in a week or so. It'll be on a Thursday, maybe next Thursday or the Thursday after that. Um, regardless of anything, man, if it's Thursday, like, you know, no, I'm probably going to be doing lives every Thursday for a long time. And so, you know, I'll have like my clubhouse uh, or my green rooms or a place where you can go with it live with me uh, and listen in the in the comment section below, in the description below. So look out for that and come on live with me. I, I, would, I would appreciate the chat with y'all. So this is Dallas. This is Surviving to Cancel. Peace out. I'll see you next time. I mean, becoming the character. It's not Surviving to Cancel anymore. It's becoming the character.